Boogeyman is real, and you found him. episode of the Bearded Horror Review. My name is Dan, aka The Boogeyman, and on this podcast I will do a review of a horror film, either a classic or a new release. Um, I'll do it in non-spoilers and then in spoilers, uh, tell you what I thought about it, tell you if it entertained me or not, because that is what I am looking for, and give it a rating and tell you if I think it's worth a watch or not. Um, Usually on this podcast I say, like I said in the intro there, I will do a classic or I'll do a new release. So when I say classic, I mean like a film that came out, you know, an old, the OG, came out a while ago. So The Exorcist, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Shining, all these films are considered modern classics. And then when I'd say new release, I mean a film that has just come out. So it might be in the cinema there, or it's gone straight to streaming. Uh, but it's usually something that's come out very, very recently. But there is a gap in the middle there of films that are relatively new. They might be a couple of years old, but they're not necessarily classics. They're not necessarily new releases. Uh, but they're films that have, you know, come out in the last 10 years or so. And there are quite a few gems out there and there are also quite a few films that have come out in the last 10 years i haven't seen and so what do we call these what do we class them as i guess we can class them as um current release not even current releases just horrors in the last 10 years that's simple as that you can't really categorize them because they're not which classic status yet but they're not brand new i guess it's just relatively new releases there we go let's call it that let's call it that i found that the genre and a relatively new release um and you might realize that a lot of these podcast episodes are just a stream of consciousness for me i will record until i get to a point where maybe i need to stop but i usually just keep going and i will think of the word i want on the fly i don't write anything down um so there's a lot of films that came out, say, in the last 10 years uh, or even longer that I really enjoyed that I have found that a lot of people just haven't seen or they have gone below the radar or they're films that people didn't really give a chance to for whatever reason. It might be a case that, you know, it, it didn't get a, a much advertising. It might have been bad word of mouth. It might have been that they didn't get a release over in this country until uh, later. Or it might have been a case it had a very limited release. So not many people were reached by its release in this country. Uh, there's lots of things like that. Uh, another reason being is something that's hard to get on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, that's one thing that really stops films getting bigger in this country because they may have a cinema release um, or they may have an American release and we hear all about them, but then we can't watch them. We want to watch them, but we can't. Or we, we know they're knocking about and they've had releases, but it was a very small release. So it's a very limited number of Blu-rays or DVDs that are out for it. 
And then when you finally get the chance to maybe get one of these Blu-rays, they are ridiculously expensive. Um, and that's kind of the case for the film that I'm going to be talking about today. So a few years ago, I heard about a film and I really wanted to watch it. It seemed a really intriguing premise, uh, but it was quite hard to get hold of. And I didn't know many people that had seen it. Uh, eventually, I managed to get to watch it on Amazon. Uh, so I usually will buy a film. However, if I'm very skeptical about a film, I will rent it. And then if I like it, I will then buy it. Um, so I kind of pay twice. But for me, that's fine because I'm contributing to the filmmakers. Um, and that's, you know, that's why I believe in buying physical media or not going to an illegal streaming site. You're, you're contributing to the creator. Um, but yeah, I watched this film and the film that, I'm on about is Autopsy of Jane Doe. Um, so the other day I put a poll up on my Instagram to see what film people would like me to review next. Uh, I do that because there's there's releases that have just come out and I'm like, yeah, I really want to see that. But then I'm like, well, what do people want to hear about as well? Um, and I have a few films in my mind. I'll have a look at my watch list and I'll put up a list of films, some new releases and some other films that I just want more people to know about. And Autopsy of Jane Doe is one of them. I don't know many people that have seen Autopsy of Jane Doe. And again, that's the, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, because it was hard to get hold of. And two, because it didn't have much advertising over here. Uh, so it was one of those films that was hard to get hold of, hard to get information about. And I decided to watch it. Absolutely loved it. And then I, I, everyone I know, I tell about it. I tell them about Autopsy of Jane Doe at some point. I know there's a few people that I have either sat down and made them watch it or I've recommended it to them and they've gone away and watched it. Since streaming has become much, much bigger since the dreaded thingy thing that I, I don't want to say just in case. Um, but since the dreaded big C virus um, streaming has got loads better and a lot more stuff has been put onto streaming uh, and made a lot more accessible so Autopsy of a Jane Doe it, it won the poll by a landslide now I don't know if that's because people have watched it or if it's because people want to hear about it um, so I watched this film tonight I was going to wait a couple of days and record it. Um, <laughs> however, I just watched it and I'm like, I have to talk about this. I've got it. It, it, I, it just have to. While I'm in the mindset, I really want to talk about it. So I'm doing it. I've just turned it off. Um, I, I gave myself 10, 20 minutes to kind of just sit and think about it. Um, and here we are. So I'm going to do a review of Autopsy of Jane Doe. Uh, I'm going to go into non-spoilers from now. And then I will let you know when I'm going into the spoiler section. Um, so Autopsy of Jane Doe, Autopsy of Jane Doe, is a very low-key horror film uh, about a 
a father-son duo that work in a mortuary um, are tasked with finding out the cause of death of a body of unidentified female body uh, that was found at a crime scene and it's taken to them and it's late at night and they start to do the autopsy of this seemingly pristine corpse and things get very very spooky from there so i don't want to say anything else in this non-spoiler section because it will ruin the film um so i'm just gonna that's the plot i'm not going to tell you any more specifics um this film in my opinion is masterfully made it is a very limited cast it's basically two men for the whole time but you know you're in for a good time because one of them is brian cox who is a phenomenal actor and the film does what i love when it comes to horror and any any film really uh, is it's the concept of Chekhov's gun and they use it perfectly so if you don't know what Chekhov's gun is uh, it's the idea of if you set something up in your film you better use it um, and the story goes is uh, Chekhov's gun was if so say if you're in a scene and you see a rifle in the scene you better hope at some point in the movie that that gun is going to go off. And throughout this film, so the first half an hour, there is so much setup for the the very small moments of scares uh, that are going to come and happen throughout the film. It's very well done. It feels very natural. It's all done very visually or audibly. And they set up a lot of stuff. Um, the kind of back and forth dialogue between the father and son duo, um, it sets up their relationship. And it very subtly sets up some of the conversations that are going to happen throughout the film. And then we have a very, like I said, the visuals set up a lot of the later scares and a lot of the later uses of things and they explain them very well it's not just oh this thing's there oh this thing happens to be here um there's a lot more to it and, and everything is done very subtly but very carefully and i really appreciate that because then that way when that happens there are no surprises nothing feels cheap the scares don't feel cheap the 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 actual film it seems logical that these things are going to happen because the film has very subtly set up in your mind that all of these things are going to be in use and one of my biggest problems in horror movies especially in the last 10 years or so they will just throw noises at you they will throw jump scares at you that aren't really relevant to what's happening um so they, they don't they don't hit land for me personally so this one i really enjoy that they they set all this up and they take the time to do it and it's the direction and the cinematography that really helps sell what is going to happen um 
I don't want to say any more than that because this is one of those films that even though I've seen it three or four times now, it still gives me the creeps. I just watched it now and there are moments in there where I'm still feeling chills. There's one particular moment that I will talk about uh, and when we get into the spoiler section, I genuinely felt a chill down my spine. I'm like, why, why am I getting this chill? I know this is coming. That's how well done I feel this film is. Um, there are obviously moments where it could be slightly improved. Um, however, they're very minimal. This is basically a bottle episode. This, it's Everything is set in this one location of this mortuary in about three or four different rooms. There's a it book. It's bookended with um, different locations. So it starts off in a house where there has been a crime, and they find a corpse, and then it's taken to the mortuary, and then we stay in the mortuary all the way to the end of the film, and then it's bookended with a, a, another outside location. So it's very minimal, but it utilizes it perfectly. Um, so for me, I, I would say this film is a nine out of ten. It's only ever so slightly little things that I would improve about it. Um, but I'm, I love this film. I'm entertained by it massively. I find it still very creepy. Um, yeah, so if I would recommend, if you haven't seen it, go and watch it before you listen to the spoiler section. Um, it's on Amazon. I think it's on 50% off now on Amazon as well. Um, so go go watch it. And hopefully now you are back from watching it because we're going to go into spoilers. Um, yeah, okay, here we go. So the film, it starts with a a house, a house in America where a, a police investigation is going. Um, a family has basically been massacred inside a house and the police are there to investigate what the hell is going on. And as they go through the house, uh, they find that nobody has broken in. Uh, there is no kind of damage to the outside uh, to show forced entry. Um, there is no kind of suspicious activity outside of the house. But inside, everybody's dead. <laughs> Every, the, the whole family is dead. And they can't figure out what has happened to this family. Um, but it's been very violent. And they go outside and they find a corpse in the backyard, um, buried very crudely in the backyard. Um, and they see that this woman is seemingly, for lack of a better word, perfect. They can't see any damage to her unlike the people inside the house they can't see any problem with her obviously she's dead and there's no identifying marks whatsoever so she is classed as a jane doe um jane doe and john doe are terms used for people when they can't know their identity but they need to put names on forms so they say we've got a jane doe or we've got a john doe so in this term they, they don't know who she is she's a jane doe we then cut to a mortuary as a father-son team uh, working in the basement of this building where they are trying to determine the course of death of a corpse that they have on their table. And 
it's very clear that the father is very, very good at determining the cause of death. Uh, and he doesn't just stop at the obvious. Uh, whereas the son, he has this fantasy kind of thing where he tries to figure out why someone would kill someone else, why they would kill them. And it's 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 very evident that he he has this grander um, vision. Um, but the father simply says, it's not our job to know why someone did it. All we need to know is how they died. And, you know, it's very obvious that the father is like, you're looking at the surface, you've done a good job. However, and they demonstrate this by, um, they have a corpse on the table who's been very badly burned. And the father simply asks the son, so what's the cause of death? And the son replies, well, totally burnt skin, blackened lungs. Um, he, he burned to death and he suffocated on smoke inhalation. And that's what killed him. And the father goes, no, it's not. You, you haven't looked deep enough. And so they look and it turns out that the man had a crack on his skull. So what happened was he was in a fire and he had a pulmonary embolism, which means he, he, uh, he had smoke inhalation. He fell over, he hit his head and that caused an embolism in his brain. So therefore... He couldn't leave the fire, so he burnt to death. But he was already dying, so the, his cause of death was actually the crack to his head. So that's the, the, so they set up this idea of the father will always look deeper and find more to make sure. And the son doesn't have that level of detail. Um, and we find out that, you know, it's that is the last one of the night and um the son is going to go off with his girlfriend she's just come in she's never been down before he's always he always, it's always like he says he wants to meet her outside uh, but she she comes into the building and they have a discussion about him wanting to leave and that she's annoyed that he hasn't told his dad yet that he, he he's leaving and he wants he's saying how much he wants to leave it's very obvious that he doesn't want this job. He doesn't want to live this life anymore. But he feels obligated to stay. And it's hinted and insinuated that um, his mother had passed. And that the father doesn't seem to be dealing with it very well. Um, again, Because it, it seems like he's a very straightforward, matter-of-fact man. And he's not emotional. Again, it shows he's not an emotional person by saying he's not trying to find out why someone killed them. He's just trying to find the cause of death. So it's trying to show he is this kind of neutral person and he's just after the facts. And that's how he probably is dealing with the mother's death. At this point, the police show up with our Jane Doe. And unfortunately, this means our son has to cancel his date. And he says to her, come back at 11 and I will take you to the late showing but I have to stay here with my father. But he doesn't have to stay. His dad does say to him that you are, you can leave if you want. I'll do it on my own. It's just got to be done tonight. The police have said it needs to be done tonight. Um, but he stays. So again, it's setting up the dynamic. No matter what the situation, the son feels he needs to be there for his father. And the father 
feels he can do things on his own and he is independent and he doesn't need that support when actually he probably does need support, but he's just not asking for it, he's not showing it because he's trying to keep those emotions in. So this uh, body comes in and again, it is a pristine looking young woman. She is uh, completely naked, no injuries on her whatsoever. Uh, she's not even got dirt on her. She's very clean. Um, no, she's a very she's a she's just a very pretty young woman with brown hair. And as they examine her, they find her eyes are very pale, a grey, and they find that very odd. And they investigate further, and they find that she's got silt under her nails. And they, this is something that you realise they have to know, and they're very knowledgeable that they don't have silt in that area, it's very rare, but they do have it north 50 miles away. Now, again, when I talked about subtle information, this is key information, but it's done in a very subtle way. They just go, oh, it's not from around here, so write that, and they write, oh, they have all this information, they write it down on a chalkboard, like, well, silt 50 miles away. And they start looking at her, and they find very odd things about her. So her grey eyes, for one, they open her mouth and find that her tongue is missing. And it looks like her tongue has been ripped or cut very violently from her mouth. Which is a very upsetting thing to see. Even the, the coroner's like, this is, yeah, this is weird. Yeah. So they start to realise that this this isn't a normal corpse this is not a normal body something further is happening here and they start this investigation and they start digging deeper they cut into her and she bleeds which should not happen it's 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 not normal like when a body um dies the blood co coagulates and so they a corpse doesn't bleed. I'm sorry to ruin uh, the notion to any horror fans out there, but a corpse will not simply start bleeding. Um, and they made sure, the filmmakers made sure accuracy was key. So I, when I put this poll up, I had a friend of mine uh, message me saying they knew a fun fact about this film, um, that they actually contacted a pathology technician named Carla Valentine, uh, who's very well known in the, in the in the field, and so they made sure everything was accurate to 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 to, to what would actually happen, um, and this, so the things that are happening hint towards something, um, and that is the fact that this body may still be alive even though it looks like a corpse and it and it seems to be very cut like it seems like a personally dead body the fact that she's bleeding and uh, other things that she's not got rigor mortis um and uh even though her body temperature is low there's no bruising or anything it's, it's insinuating that she may be alive so it's a very strange situation. These these the pol these guys are confused. They don't understand what's going on. 
Um, earlier in the film, they set up a bunch of stuff. So they set up um, the way that they may show, show certain shots uh, later in the film. With uh, There's a corridor that goes in like an L shape and they have a mirror above one corner. So you can see around the corner. Um, they, they, they show that they've got a couple of corpses in the building. And one of them is a man who has no face basically because his... Uh, he took a, sh uh, a gun blast to the face. Um, they show another corpse where they um, they show that they, they tie bells to the feet of every corpse that they have. And the father says it's because he's a traditionalist. And the tradition was that they would tie bells to people's feet uh, in case they were still alive and people they could hear them moving in the, in the mortuary. Um... And obviously this is something that's set up that is going to come into play later on. And they also set up that they have a cat who goes through the vents. Um, now you may be thinking, oh, it's setting up a cat jump scare. Um, where actually it's setting up something else. Um, but yeah, so this goes on. They take a break because they're very confused. They find him very strange things about what's going on with this corpse. And they're trying to figure out all these things. And as the night goes on, as they cut into her more and more, a storm starts to rage. And it gets worse and worse. The radio, they've had the radio on the whole time as well. They've been listening to the news. And the son starts to get suspicious. He starts to feel something is wrong. And he says to his father, we should stop. We should stop this autopsy, that something's not right. Um... But he says he must carry on. We've got to get this done. You know, a body is a body. It's strange, but a body is a body. But it's not. And it gets worse and worse. The storm is raging. The voice seems to be matching up on the, on the radio, talking about the storm, to their situation. All of a sudden, the radio flips out and starts playing a song. And the lights explode and go out. And it's very creepy. <laughs> and they they take a break. They manage to get the, the generator turns on for the building. But there isn't enough power to run the elevator. So they can't get out. They try to leave via the stairs. And there's, there's a, like a basement door. They try to open it. A tree has fallen on top of the doors. So they can't get out there either. So they're stuck down there. They go to call the police. They can't get a signal. They can't get through to him. They call him on the landline, but the landline keeps breaking up, and then the phone dies. They are cut off from the outside world. The son feels like the the woman, however, doesn't know why, but something is. As soon as she got here, things started to go wrong. So he thinks something is happening because of her. The father brushes it off. Our son ends up alone. And he hears a strange rustling sound. And it's in the vents. And he goes to look into the vents. And something is in there. Something moves very quickly. And, and it's it's not, not... Not normal. And he falls off a chair and he hurts himself. The father comes in. And then they look back. He's like, what's going on? They look back into the vent. And they find the cat. It was not the cat... That was in the vent that, that made the noise and, and scared uh, the son. 
but what we do is find the cat has been gravely injured. And so unfortunately, to put the cat out of its misery, the father has to break the cat's neck and put it down. So this is what I mean about they use the cat not to scare as a cheap jump scare, but what they're doing is setting up the tragedy of this film. This film essentially is a tragedy. And this is insinuating that one by one they may but may start to die. They're not going to get out. Even the cat isn't free from whatever is happening in this building. And they go back and they start doing more autopsy after they burn the cat. It shows that they have an incinerator. Again, this is what it's doing. It's setting up that they have an incinerator there. And they go to they go back to do the autopsy. They open her up and find that her lungs are blackened and only severe burning would blacken these lungs in the way that they are and um, but her body again is pristine there's no um, burns or cuts they examine her further and they find that the bones of her ankles and wrists are completely smashed but there's no bruising they dig deeper they go into her intestinal tract. They found a, a piece of string in her mouth. They find that very strange. They cut through her intestinal tract and they find a cloth with a tooth in it. They open it up and see that it's got writing all over it and symbols. And they see that the, the, the string that they found earlier matches the cloth. And they don't understand what is going on and why this would be the case. Why would they find this cloth? How, how is it not digested in her gut? Because it would. It would dissolve in her stomach. Um, and as the night goes on, it gets creepier and weirder. They find that um, there is noises going on all around the building. They don't understand what is happening. They are seemingly being manipulated. And they feel that it is the corpse that is doing it. And they don't know why or how. Um, it gets stranger. They decide to look under her skin because the as the old the father notices there is marks on the edge of the cut wounds where they've opened her up. So he cuts off her skin and peels it back and finds there is writing all over the inside of her skin. Again, what does this mean? How can this be possible? Because her body is so pristine. And They decide, you know, that something is wrong here. Something is going on. They leave the room. They go to do something else. And I, like I said in previous um, reviews, by the way, I'm skipping over little bits and, and things. And, and things. I'm just going from beat to beat of my favorite parts. And watch the film. Obviously, <laughs> you'll get everything in one cohesive girl. Um, but then... They go out and they're trying to figure out what is going on. 
and they realise there is something inside the building other than them and the corpse on the table that is moving around. They shut, they're shut, shut in an office and they hear that bell. So the bell that was on the toe of the corpse before is dinging. And this is what I mean about set up. Set up and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Payoff. Set up and payoff. So they set up that this corpse has this bell. It's only, yeah, it'll ring if they're actually alive and they're moving. And they just hear it very quietly. Ding. Ding. Something is walking down the corridor and our son, he looks under the door and he sees two feet step in front of the door with that ding. This is our corpse from the refrigerator that was in there. He looks through a peephole in the door and a face appears behind the door. Freaks him the hell out. There was an, and then there's another room, uh, another noise. The room is a like one room. It's got a closet, and the father, they hear a noise, and he goes, "Because it's, it's pitch black." He goes in, and he's, like, "I can't see anything." Then all of a sudden, bam! The door slams. He, the father's getting injured. Something is in there with him. They eventually open the door. The father's been injured, but there's nothing there. They decide for a fact that the 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 Jane Doe is causing this. And they decide that that, that, that that whatever is happening in this building is because she's suffering and she wants to be put out of her misery. So they decide to burn her. They take her down to the furnace and they burn her. And unfortunately, this is not the case. They hear the elevator go. So it means it's working. They can leave. And they go to leave. They get in the elevator and they go to leave. Um, there is an axe at some point where an axe gets picked up. Uh, I can't remember where exactly, uh, but the son has an axe during these the, these few scenes building up to this elevator. Um, and they get in the elevator and they press it. And they, 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 there's something in the darkness stalking them. They think it's the corpse with the bell and they're terrified. They're sat in the lift and they're trying to shut the door and the lift will no longer move again. It came down, but it won't go back up now. Some, something, something's come down in the elevator and it is in the building with them and they are terrified. And you see in the darkness, this corpse is walking towards the elevator. You get flashes of light that show it. It's definitely the corpse and they're terrified. And the son decides if they can't get out up in the elevator, he has to protect himself. They, 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 they see it getting closer and closer, and they're clearly terrified. He swings the axe and hits the corpse, and it hits the ground. And then the lights come back on. And it's his girlfriend. Whatever happened in that building made him see, made both of them see that that thing that was walking towards them was a corpse. But in fact, what happened was from the start of the film, again, set up and pay off, 
the girlfriend came back at 11, came down in the lift, even though she was asked not to at the start of the film. And she says, well, you know, whatever. And so she did the same thing again. She came down in the lift, came looking for them. And so the young son, who was going to leave with this girl and leave this life, has killed his girlfriend with an axe. And it's a very sad, ten, an upsetting moment. And you realise that the corpse isn't trying to get release from her pain. And the father says this. It's, it, he's, he starts thinking, why, why is he doing this? Why isn't she, why, we released her? We burned her. But what actually she's doing is she's trying to inflict her pain on others. He figures that out. And they want to know why. So they go back and the corpse is not burned. And they get the corpse back on the table and they're like, we need to figure this out so we can get out of here. And they look into it more and they look at the cloth again and they see that the cloth, if they fold it, actually has writing on it. And they, they fold it and they figure out the writing and it's Leviticus. And it has Roman numerals, so they, they look up the Bible verse. And then they read the Bible verse and they realise that this woman has been, had her her, short, her her ankles and wrists bound and smashed. She's had her tongue cut out. She's been, she's got scars all over her organs on the inside. So she's been stabbed over and over and over again. And she, she's been burned to a crisp. She was found 50 miles away north of where they are. And that area was Salem. And they decide and they figure it out and they put it all together because it says in this Bible verse about burning witches. But they sit and they go, witches aren't real. Witches aren't a real thing. How can this woman have been a witch? They forced her to eat her own tooth. They they burned her. They they broke all her bones. They 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 stabbed her. They took her tongue. And they said, "Well, what if all of this, all of this brutality that was put on this woman, who was probably an innocent woman, didn't wasn't just because she was a witch. But what if all of this stuff that happened to her?" made her into a witch and now what she's doing is inflicting her pain on everybody around her and the fact that they've been cutting into her opening her up is just causing her more pain she's alive and can feel every single thing that they have done to her and now you start to think is this what happened in that house that this this corpse drove these people insane to kill each other and killed them in brutal ways and it starts to just kick off so this is what i meant about um there's like the, the very small change i would make it's a very slow build-up this whole film it's very slow it's very methodical but it trudges along at a good pace but then the ending is very quick so that's that one thing I would change about this film. Maybe slow it down a bit because it can make the conclusion come a bit slower, and because it, it gets very like hectic all of a sudden. 
So it's all kicking off. And the father decides, you know, he's like, save my, leave my son, take me. I, I will, I'm sorry for everything, but punish me. Uh, it's, it's, it's clear he is in that mindset. He's finally letting his emotions win from his, his, his wife and the, the young son's mother's passing. And he's letting those emotions win. And he goes, just take me. I will take all of the pain because I'm used to dealing with the pain. And as this is happening, his bones start to break. He starts to collapse. And it, and it shows you the Jane Doe on the table her bones are fixing. Her body is coming back together. Her eyes are no longer grey. They can see they are blue. They are blue eyes. She is healing. But the, but the father is receiving all of the punishment, all of the broken bones, all of the cuts. And he dies in his son's arms. And at this moment, the son hears something banging and a cutting and it seems that the police when from that phone call though they tried to call the police have shown up and he goes to the cellar door that had the the tree on it and he's saying it's like the guy's like we're cutting the tree off we're cutting the tree off try and we should be able to open it open it try and open up and he tries to open the door and he can't do it so keep trying to open up no, I can't do it. Keep trying to open up. And then at that moment, the police officer, earlier in the film, like I said, the phone, the, the radio was talking the storm and it was matching up to what they were saying. And then it switched to a song. And the song's lyrics were open up and let the sun shine in. And the police officer saying, open up, open up, open up and let the sun shine in and the sun has this realisation moment there's no one there it's it's the Jane Doe still he's at the top of the stairs looking at the door and all of a sudden the Jane Doe appears in front of him and he trips and he falls off the balcony falls, tumbles down and dead the next it shows the next morning the police show up everything's working fine they can get in and they find the the brother the, the, the father and the son dead and they don't know what's happened it looks like the Jane Doe hasn't even been touched and he says to take the Jane Doe to another hospital to get a, an autopsy done and he will f clean up the mess that's here and he'll figure out what's happened and we get to taken the the um, we get taken to an ambulance, where the the Jane Doe is being transported. Guys driving the car is listening to the radio, and it shows the Jane Doe in the back of the ambulance. And he's listening to the radio, and as we're driving, this song changes on the radio to open up and let the sun shine in. And we get a little flick of a toe from the Jane Doe and a, a tingle of a bell. To show that she's still alive. And the film ends. That's the end. I adore this film. I honestly that that I, I, I can't do this justice. I can't. But um 
It's fantastically well made. Like I said in the non-spoilers, it's got such good moments. The motifs of, of the, the, the small little bits of information, the mirror to see round corners where we end up seeing a corpse walking towards, but it's distorted. It's a distorted mirror, so we can't quite see what's there. Um, the setup of the cat, the bell, um, the guy who, who, who took a, a bullet to the face, um, the girlfriend coming back at 11, and the fact that she just came down in the elevator on her own without actually asking if it was okay or not. You know, all these little bits, this slow build-up to, re to, to reveal that Jane Doe is alive and as a witch. Um, it's so masterfully done. Brian Cox is phenomenal in this film. The guy who plays the son, great as well, but Brian Cox really sold it for me. He is so good in this film. And yeah, like it didn't feel cheap. It, like the jump scares, even though there are jump scares, but they don't feel cheap. They, they they feel like they build the tension and then there's release. It's not just blah loud noise. It feels earned. I said the only gripe I had was the ending. Like seems to happen very quickly, but it's because the film is such a slow churn all the way through. But yeah, I I adore this film. Nine out of ten. It's really fantastic. Like I said, it's it's on Amazon and at the minute of time of recording, it's on like 50% off. I, I would recommend watching it. Even if you've seen it before, give it a rewatch. Because I've watched, like I said, three or four times now and it still gives me chills. I absolutely love this film and I, I think more people should see Autopsy of Jane Doe. And that's my review, guys. I hope you enjoyed this one. Um, like I said, I might be talking a bit quieter or a bit softer, but because it's it's half twelve at night and I've just watched the film, um, but I just had to talk about it. Um, yeah, so hopefully you've enjoyed the film as well. If you have, please let me know what you thought about it by heading over to my Instagram. Uh, boogie underscore man underscore dh drop me a message or a comment uh, to let me know what you thought about autopsy of jane doe and if you have any suggestions for other films or other subjects that you want to hear about i've actually just a couple of days ago released a bonus episode where i talked about uh what happened to horror in the 90s um so if you want to go back and listen to that and i've got all of my other previous reviews as well um but yeah if you want to support the channel further, it would be a great help to me. So if whatever streaming service you're listening it to, whether it be Spotify or iTunes, if you could leave a five-star review, if you have enjoyed it, I would I would love that. And if you leave a review, I will read every single one. Um, if if anyone, if you could share it on your social media or suggest it to a friend who you might think enjoyed this, if you have enjoyed this, I would greatly appreciate that. And if you want to help further by keeping the lights on, keeping me um, doing these, because I genuinely love this, uh, I have released a, a Patreon, which is going to have exclusive content uh, for anybody who, who signs up there. Um, it starts from little, as little as $3 a month. It is simply just to help support, and I, I will say thank you. There are exclusive episodes on there, such as my Exodus 2 review, and um my deep dive into video nasties um yeah i hope you've enjoyed it guys i hope it makes you want to rewatch the film blah blah rewatch the film and until next time guys happy watching it's all true the boogeyman